I've asked this question point blank of my guides, Sanaya, and I've asked it to other mediums to ask their guides. The answer is, do we plan to come here and take our own lives? Is suicide part of the soul's pact? And this answer is, it absolutely feels right in my heart and it's profound. The answer is no. But some souls, in talking with their guides as they plan the future incarnation, your life now, the guides will say, wow, you're taking on a really tough assignment. And the souls, to a T, say, it's like, kind of like, put me in, coach. I'm up for it. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Higher Journeys. And of course, if it's your first time here, I welcome you. Well, today we are going to be having a serious conversation, an important conversation, but also, I believe, an incredibly powerful and healing conversation. We are here with my first time guest, long awaited, Suzanne Giesman. Welcome so much, Suzanne. This has been long awaited. I'm so delighted to have you here today. Oh, thank you, Alexis. I feel your beautiful energy and wonder why we waited so long. I know. Well, everything happens when it's supposed to, right, journeyers? I call my audience the journeyers, by the way, if you're wondering right. who are the journeyers. That's you out there. Well, Suzanne, we've got a lot to discuss. And, you know, I typically don't go through a bio. I don't think I'm even going to do it today because I know your story is going to come out in the wash as we have this conversation. And I know there are a lot of people that know who this lovely individual is, but I will say that Suzanne has developed herself as an extraordinary uh, medium. This is a probably a second or maybe more incarnation, professional incarnation for Suzanne. I may have her go a little bit into her background and then we're going to dive in. I want to give you a taste, everyone, for what we're going to be talking about today when I say important, powerful, and healing. We're talking about suicide. We're talking about very, very, uh, obviously a very serious subject, but numbers that have gone up exponentially in the last several years. It's going to be based on a story that I will share in part with you. But we're not just talking about suicide. We're talking about healing from that through mediumship, of which Suzanne is very qualified to talk about today. So just to, to, to level set this conversation, Suzanne, you and I, had a wonderful conversation offline. So I think we're in the right zone to go there and go right to the core for anyone uh, that is maybe suffering from this. We hope that this show will bring you healing. But Suzanne, without further ado, give us a little thumbnail. I know that's going to be hard to do because you have quite the exuberant background and how you uh, ended up where you are today. Sure. I, I, I feel it's important to cover my background because there are a lot of people who maybe hesitant to fully dive into mediumship and give it credence. I, for one, had no idea there was an afterlife for most of my life. I didn't know that I had the ability to connect across the veil as I do now. I spent 20 years as a Navy officer. I retired with the rank of commander and I served literally at the highest levels. I was the aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and sat in on top secret hearings on, on Capitol Hill. I flew on Air Force One with the president. Uh, I've seen a lot of things and none of them can compare to opening up to what we'll just call the spirit world for now. That came about after the very unexpected death by lightning strike of my stepdaughter, Susan. She was six months pregnant, Alexis, with our first and only grandchild and uh, was crossing the flight line at work. And this 
lightning came out of the blue, literally, and took her life and her baby boy. And so I took my husband to a medium because I'd heard about these people who could allegedly talk to those who had passed. And once you have a death that's so that close to you, you want answers and you're willing to be open to anything, but not gullible. You know, I was aware of our vulnerability and it would have, it would have just uh, disappointed me terribly if that medium had said, oh, there's a grandmother here with gray hair who loves you very much. I needed evidence that Susan was still here with us and that medium gave it to me. And that opened me up to a whole other world and especially the unexpected awareness that I can connect with the other world. And I do so with verifiable evidence that has left no doubt in my mind or my clients' minds that this is very real, that we really don't die. The physical body stop operating, but consciousness and life are eternal. That is beautifully said. And I'm with you on that, Suzanne. And yet there are so many individuals who I think want to believe that we call it the survival of consciousness and in, in sort of the research area yeah. that we go on in a very real way. But if you could speak to those who are on the fence that doubt the the viability of this or the 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 um, efficacy of this, yeah, what might I, you say? What happened? What was there a, a seminal moment when you went to this medium oh. <laughs> uh, to to try to bring through Susan that uh, made you say, "Oh, I have no doubt." Oh, absolutely. And I was very careful not to give her my last name so she couldn't Google me, the total skeptic route. And when she brought through this young girl who, in a brown uniform and gave her a tingly electric feeling up her arm like a lightning strike, wow. uh, the seminal moment was when she said, oh, wait, this young girl is bringing with her a little baby boy who she wants to introduce to you from across the veil, but he doesn't know you. That was her son. She was going to have a son. We knew it. When you said, uh, what do you say to people who are on the fence? I gave a little you know, smile because I remember one client who came and he said, I'm kind of on the fence about all of this talking to dead people. And after I brought through his father, his brother, who was very angry, you know, everybody doesn't come through loving. He was showing that he had been angry when in physical world, he wasn't across the veil. And then a friend who came through and showed that they used to smoke these funny cigarettes and was calling him bro. The man's eyes just kept getting wider and wider. And I said, so what do you think about mediumship now? And he said, I got to tell you, I'm not on the fence anymore. And that's it. I could sit here and tell stories for a week filled with evidence. And the evidence is life changing. I don't need to do that. We need to go within and say, what is it within us that is causing us to reject what is so obvious? We need to ask a lot of questions here. I, I want to paint the picture, everyone, of uh, what brought me to want to have this conversation with Suzanne. And it has to do with a personal. So if, if you would indulge me, a personal story I want to share with you. I'm going to leave names out for obvious reasons. But just over this past summer, um, I got news of a devastating loss of uh, one of my best friends and longest friends I've had for years that her daughter, seemingly out of the blue, 27 years old, had taken her own life. We were all aghast, obviously, as you can imagine. Um, she was like my daughter. I have no children. So that she was one of my daughters. I have several <laughs> through friends. And um, in an instant, gone. So you can imagine, Suzanne, the questions were many. Why'd you do it? 
we could see nothing. I was just with her a couple of months before for a celebratory event. So there are a, a cornucopia of feelings. Now, this is me, Suzanne, not the mother. I felt like her mother, but imagine what the family is still going through. I think they, for, for all that's happened, they're coping fairly well, but this is going to be a long road. I want to give you some statistics on suicide. Uh, they're alarming. Suicide's the 11th leading cause of death in the United States. And in 2022, I believe this is according to the CDC, close to 50,000 people died in the U.S. by suicide. But here's the really alarming thing, also by the CDC. The largest number of suicides occurred with people between the age of 25 and 44. Now, the why to that, we could surmise a lot of things. The pressures are like they've never been before, but whatever the case, and, and this individual was 27 years old. So you've got a lot of uh, family members and a lot of parents, particularly that are suffering. Um, I want to talk about that. I want to have you weigh in on that and how mediumship might help to temper this feelings of guilt, I would have to say is number one, feelings of anger, of despair, and possibly in some cases, people wanting to leave here themselves because of the death of the loved one via suicide. How might Suzanne approaching a mediumistic perspective help take those feelings down or address them? Alexis, it changes everything, everything. Because when we think that our loved ones are dead and gone, that's the phrase we use, or I lost them, to find out that their bodies may be dead, but they are not gone. They're in another reality that interpenetrates our own. They're as close as our breath at a different bandwidth, like a different channel on the television. We just, we can all learn to change that channel and tap into it to find out that we didn't lose them, that we move forward with them. Doesn't take away the grief. Nothing will take that away, but it makes it bearable and gives us hope because we now know we'll see them again, but also uplifts us knowing that they're still with us. Alexis, I can't tell you how often those across the veil show me they took their own lives. I mean, it's a very, very too common reason why I'm talking to somebody across the veil. In fact, I remember one week when I had 10 readings in a row due to suicide. And I asked, what is going on here? And it it, it seems that I just have a, a good ability to tap into those who have passed. I don't have filters in my brain that makes me automatically assume somebody was depressed. So I don't falsely represent those across the veil. I listen. I get accurate reasons for them, why they passed. But I want, I want to tell you first and foremost that they all come through and say, I'm fine. I'm okay. Let my family know I'm right here and I'm okay. They are not burning in hell. This is mm -hmm. the number one thing I want to tell people. That is a, a dogmatic belief passed down without evidence through culture, but through personal experience of every medium I know. We talk to loved ones across the veil because they're not in a heaven or a hell. They're in reality, which is the astral realm. And so that's just hugely important. And 
because they are still with their family members here, they're aware of how much they're grieving here. And it's their number one reason for coming through a medium to say, please don't suffer so much. I'm sorry for your suffering. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. You should say that. Well, one of the questions I had on my list was how to address this horrible dogma of this assumption that suicide, suicidal individuals are condemned to hell. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, I want to add another answer to that same question before you move on to a new one. Uh, My favorite organization for parents with a child across the veil is Helping Parents Heal. That's helpingparentsheal.org. The most healing organization you can imagine because they encourage a belief in the afterlife and talking to mediums. I I was a keynote speaker at both of their past conferences and another one coming up next year. Last year when I went, there were 900 what we call shining light parents at that conference. Dozens, dozens came up to me and said, my reading with you saved my life. Because that's exactly what you were saying, that you know, we get in this place where we we went off the planet too. We want to be with those who have passed and we're depressed. So to know that they're okay and that taking your life doesn't just end in darkness, then there must be a reason for sticking around here if you mm-hmm. can. So important point. That is an important point. Thank you. We'll make sure to have a link for that uh, organization as well. Uh, Suzanne, thank you. Well, you touched upon this before, but I'm going to reiterate um, in terms of the individual that has taken their life, realizing that they have caused their family a lot of grief and and distress. Might there ever been, have you ever come across a situation where you read someone in spirit where there was a regret due to that or regret that they took their life? It, definitely there is a regret because uh, there are many cases where it's very spontaneous. Young kids that uh, I remember one young boy who he was probably 17 and his girlfriend dumped him and he just grabbed his father's weapon and took his life. Very, you know, but every story is tragic like that. But but that's one of those cases where uh, he saw immediately, uh oh, that was mm. probably not a good choice, mm. you know but there are many other reasons. Uh, But the regret is experienced differently across the veil. So I don't want people to think that our loved ones are mired in this feeling that's gonna drag them down for all eternity. There's awareness when we cross the veil more so than here that we're souls. And the soul through its human ignorance of who we are as souls Mm -hmm. uh, ending this incarnation has ended opportunities for growth in human form. So there's an understanding. The only ones who judge anyone are ourselves across the veil. Nobody across the veil judges you. But the regret is not like human emotions. It's more of a, it's more even than a down, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We try so hard. I'm sure many of us too try to understand this other state of being. I've never had a doubt that that consciousness continues on the other side. We call it the other side. Maybe maybe that's not even an appropriate way no, of classifying right here. it. Right it's here. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so difficult from this perspective because we're sort of marred in this corporeal 
state, this this physical state. But if I could shed some light on that, we call it the other side of the veil. The veil is the flesh. The veil mm. is this brain that's filtering out our awareness of a reality that's right here. So we can learn to part the veil. That's a metaphor for bypassing the brain's filters to a certain point. As long as we have a brain, unless we have a spiritually transformative experience or a near-death experience, we don't have the full awareness of who we really are. Mm. And we certainly expand it. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I want to remind everyone, please, for this conversation, all of them actually here at Higher Journeys, but particularly this one, I want you to leave your thoughts uh, in uh, on the show, comment, start a conversation. We're going to keep the conversation going and anything that, that we can do here at Higher Journeys to assist some of you that may be dealing with a similar situation, please do let us know. I want to know, this is something that's also been talked about in, in the afterlife circles as I talk about this, in terms of sustained grief and could, uh, let's say, prolonged grief over many, many years, could that inhibit the possible connection between the person in spirit and that those who are grieving? Yeah, it can. And I'm glad that you said sustained because it's very important for anybody who's in grief to go through that process. It's an energetic shift in your entire field of energy to suddenly not have the physical presence of someone and the energetic patterns you're used to interacting with. And love is, is just such a huge, powerful experience that we have that, that grief knocks everything off balance, but it, it needs to be gone through. It comes in waves. So to bypass it simply to connect with a loved one, does not do you any good. So the prolonged grief can often be caused by trauma. And so that's why we highly encourage anybody who's still going through that after a long period of time to get some work at an energetic level. There are wonderful healers who can help deal, heal and remove dense energy because that is what holds us back from connecting. In the meantime, if you're fresh and uh, in fresh in your grief, wait till the waves aren't so strong and start doing practices to open up your awareness of the greater reality. I, that's what my work is all about showing people sure. how to do this themselves. Absolutely. I'm so glad we're really going to get into that, uh, Suzanne, in terms of really your, your work and helping individuals understand the capacity that they have within them to do this sort of thing. I think there are a lot of people who feel, oh, this is something that, you know, psychics do or you know no, no, believe me trust me remember you know 20 years of no clue <laughs> right 45 years of no clue actually that's when it opened up for me let's go back to that story for a bit i've heard you tell this before about your your beloved stepdaughter susan and how that really just put you on forgive the term an about face right oh that's <laughs> forward no, this never use that not even me but that's it yeah <laughs> it just came to me when you had this experience where you went to the medium and it was irrefutable that a contact had been made, how long did it take for you to process? I mean, did you, did you have any kind of a propensity for this sort of thinking prior to, or was it just boom? Oh, I've been attracted to the whole idea of an afterlife. I've read a few books by mediums. In fact, I read one by James Van Prague while hmm. 
uh, crossing the ocean on my sailboat <laughs> and I threw it in the trash so my husband wouldn't see it because he said they're doing things across the veil and they have they have work that they do. And I thought, this is ridiculous. And I, so I threw it out and had no idea that it would be just weeks later that I would need to be thinking about that. Oh my gosh. But uh, once that, well, it wasn't really the medium, the medium that I was going to say, once that medium showed me, this is real. That's true. She did. But that's not what really opened me to the awareness. There must be something more. It was seeing Susan's body in the coffin that opened me. I just knew when I saw her body, that's not her. I knew and I got the goosebumps now, there has to be something that enlivens our bodies. And that it, when her body no longer worked because of that lightning strike, whatever it was that was breathing that body, giving it vibrancy and life had just left the body. Mm -hmm. So I made it my new mission there's a sense of duty to connect with her and find her. Now, a medium, finding her through a medium, that was one way I was going to do it. But I wanted the personal experience of her presence. And it took me three years, but I did it. And then in the meantime, opening up to so many other experiences in expanded states of consciousness. Uh, she told me years later, she was deliberately holding back from coming through because I needed to develop my abilities more before she came through. Wow. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because I would have just stopped at Susan instead of working on focus and expanding my awareness and having uh, my intuition come back online and psychic abilities. If, if that hadn't happened, I would not be working as a medium now. So I give her credit, but it was frustrating. My gosh, you were really invested in this. Have you ever, there's no question, but have you ever, Suzanne, uh, thought about that this may have even been a pre-incarnate mission oh. of yours? Oh, I know it is. It's and I channel now, I channel my guides and I've channeled them for over mm, 13 years and, it, and they've very much validated. I had to meet my husband, Susan's dad, and I had to be in the military so that I would do that. I had to rise to the top so that people who really need to believe mm. would say, oh, look at her background. If she can trust, maybe I can trust her before I trust myself. And it's very clearly part of a path. Everything is beautifully orchestrated. I, believe I want you. to tell you, this is a huge point that I want to make sure we don't miss, Alexis. A lot of people talk about soul planning, and I know that this path is part of my soul's path. However, I've asked this question point blank of my guides, Sanaya, and I've asked it to other mediums to ask their guides. The answer is, do we plan to come here and take our own lives? Is suicide part of the soul's path? And this answer is, it absolutely feels right in my heart. And it's profound. The answer is no. But some souls in talking with their guides as they plan the future incarnation, your life now, the guides will say, wow, you're taking on a really tough assignment there. This is all kind of metaphorical, you know, but not really. You know, you're going to take on a body that may be prone to mental illness your, or depression, which I believe is part of mental illness. You're going to take on um, challenges with some people around you that may knock you off balance. 
you, you know, but your goal in going into a body is to grow as much as possible and have, have bring back more love than you went there with. And the souls to a T say, it's like kind of like, put me in coach, I'm up for it. And so the most profound moment for me in a reading was when I brought through a young man named David four years ago. And his mother just reached out to me last week, Alexis. So the timing is phenomenal. And David told me after showing me that he took his own life, when he crossed the veil, he was met by his guides who said, we are surprised you lasted as long as you did. Hmm. Mental illness was his challenge and depression. Yeah. Hmm. That's not the case for everyone. Not at all, but right. quite often it is. Quite often yeah. it is. And we know the numbers of mental illness, which is a spectrum come out in a spectrum is just uh, has been astronomical lately. So I, I, as we have this conversation about acts that have already occurred, I implore all of you. And I know Suzanne backs me on this, who may be considering such an act. Please know how much you are worth and needed here. May I share another story that really, Absolutely. I, I hope it will provide understanding. Uh, I, I'll be talking about this at the next Helping Parents Heal conference, but I've had quite a few encounters with a 16-year-old girl across the veil who took her own life. She's a very clear communicator. The evidence from her that we're talking to her, interacting with her, not just pulling data about her life out of the air. She's very uh, powerful. She made it clear why she took her life. The night before I was to do a second reading for her parents, I had a nightmare like one I've never had before. It was so real. I thought I didn't know I was streaming, but in that nightmare, I was losing my mind. I was back at the Pentagon. I was interacting with other people back in uniform. I was an officer and I was saying things that didn't make sense. People were looking at me askance and like, what's the matter with you? And I thought they were going to haul me off and put me away. And I remember saying in the dream, please let this be a dream. And then I realized it was, and I woke up in the reading. The young girl came through and said, you were given that dream. So you would understand what I was going through. I want my parents to know that's how I felt only it wasn't a dream. And I love my family so much that nothing less than that Fear of losing my mind would have caused me to leave you. I want them to know that. My goodness. Yeah, powerful. And then again, that's not every situation. No. But it's first of all, the main point is we're interacting with spirits who are telling the telling us these things, backed up with very clear descriptions of who they are and things I couldn't possibly know, things you'd never find on Google. You know. That's a but powerful yeah, one. Yeah. I, I know you have a lot. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about evidence. I, again, you're, you're making a very po uh, important point, Suzanne, in that there is no, we can't paint this with a broad brush or a narrow brush, as it were, because there's no template here. We're dealing yeah, with financial issues. That that one comes up, right? More mm -hmm. addictions comes up. Uh, in it's Just so many reasons. Yeah. I, I'm not, when, here's a point. Asking why will never give you a satisfactory answer. I've learned this from so many people who have loved really? ones across the veil. So asking why 
it leads, even if you find out the why, it doesn't take away the pain. So the question is, the better one is, what can I do to honor my loved one's life? How can I lift my vibration? You know, how can I get past the trauma of this so that I can connect with them and continue to make a difference in this world in their honor? In their honor. Well, that's another thing. Do you find that it sounds like you, I had no idea that you had dealt with that many clients, both here and on the other side of the veil that were due to suicide. So a lot. Wow. Hundreds. This yeah. speaks to that that number being so high. Yeah. Do you find in terms of uh, purpose in life for those that are left behind that a lot of parents particularly are inclined to go into more of an advocacy role for it, whether suicide prevention or helping other parents get through grief? How, where do you see the sort of metamorphosis happen after they've worked with you? Oh, it's it's... It's almost immediate for anybody, even if they don't work with me, they want to do something to honor their child and nothing will help us heal and and come more into a coherent state faster than service to others to get our minds off of our victimhood and see that we're not the only ones suffering, although it's horrendous the amount we can suffer. But when we turn the focus outward and find others who are suffering and try to alleviate for that, that for them, we all rise. No question about it. And that's my prayer for my dear friend and, and her family. And I I, uh, I have a feeling that will happen at some point. You know, th- there's, a, there's a level of sensitivity that those of us looking on, even though I feel like family in the, the types of conversation we might have at, at certain points, I try to be very, very conscious of that. There's a sensitivity level. Obviously, not a lot of time has gone by, but I hope to have that conversation with her one day. Let's talk about people who want to connect with loved ones in spirit, but find they can't. I just talked to someone the other day who said, you know, I can't connect with my father. It's been years and I still can't. Um, but maybe a stranger might will, would bring a message or someone that's far removed from the family. Why? What's going on there, Suzanne? Well, there's there are several factors. Number one, maybe expectations about how those across the veil connect. Mediums develop to the point where we can hear their thoughts and their actual communications, like sentences. Uh, We can see images and see them at times. We can feel their personality. But until you get to the point where you develop that, which is the next part of the answer, it's noticing how they communicate to us through signs, through synchronicities, through messages from others. So we open ourselves up by creating space in this monkey minds, the constant chatter, the constant distractions that are keeping us focused on this bandwidth, the human channel, the physical world. And we do that through any practice that allows us to quiet the mind. Mm-hmm. So that's just so important to turn off our focus on this world as the only world and learn to shift to a more expanded state of consciousness. I just did it. And listen and watch like a radar. What here is different than my own thoughts? Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. might be being put in my mind that are not my own images? We learn how to access that field where all information is. I love that. I'm having a 
a vision of I, I've had that happen myself. And you do have to train yourself. You have to go through a, almost like a process of elimination because we're so used to the patterns that we're habituated to That's when it. something that comes through. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm hearing a man's voice. Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave that for now. Um Oh, I don't want to lose my train of thought. Anyway, getting used to recognizing that which is unfamiliar to that habituated side of you, even if they're nuanced things. Very nuanced sometimes. Oh, yeah. Subtle. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, Gosh, where do we go from here? Well, I will tell you this. You know what we're doing, journeyers? We're going next door. We've got a little ways to go in this conversation, but Suzanne has been kind enough to... Uh, give us a few tips, specific things that we can do to develop, to, uh, get ourselves on that road to connecting with our loved ones. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the after show. So I certainly hope uh, that you will join us uh, there. Um, have you ever seen a manifestation as a part of the work that you do rather than just getting impressions? Have there been any other forms of uh, of of connection for you. You mean other than seeing a spirit visually? Well, I mean like oh, seeing a spirit visually. Yeah, it happens very rarely for me. And it's actually quite rare for mediums in general to see the spirits. People I used to think, oh, there's something wrong with me because I don't see them objectively. But that's a that's a big deal for those across the veil to manifest themselves like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only had a handful of experiences where I've literally seen a but of spirit, but it's still in my mind's eye. I mostly see images of other things they want me to know that they put in my awareness. Interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking of several cases as some of you may know, I'm a a cast member on the history channels. The proof is out there where we on occasion cover uh, the phenomena of uh, ghostly apparitions. And uh, I recently, I'm not going to get into the story, but was uh, given a heads up by a neighbor who knows someone that was at, um, a bed and breakfast somewhere in the Carolinas and had a very, very interesting image she took of the hotel room, which was sort of this mid-century design. Very interesting. So she wanted to take pictures. And as a result, when she got home, I think, looked at the pictures and noticed there was a very distinct image of a woman, almost with a beehive hairstyle, very distinct, the back of her. And I've seen this image. It's very, very, uh, to me, very obvious is that, the, yeah. and I don't believe she faked it. So there are some people I know. Yet another person I'm thinking of who uh, who lost someone uh, probably within the last couple of years, where that person showed up to her. She says as physical as you and I are. Oh, I hear Pop- these stories all the time. I simply haven't had that experience. Yeah. Yet. yet. Do you want to? Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. A lot of people say, don't show yourself when you die. I don't want, I don't need to see you. I don't need to see you. Really? Oh no, that's a gift to me. Wow. Can you share, you know, you have shared a couple of great stories, profound stories, but another maybe that really just stood you on your ear in terms of evidential and just surprise. Oh yeah. That was the one, my favorite experience. In fact, I'm going to share it in a book I'm writing for this sacred uh, stories series called mediumship. That'll be out next year, but it's a, a, story of when I was teaching a workshop on how to connect across the veil. And I looked out at the audience and standing right behind a couple in the front row, I sensed a young boy going like this, waving at me. And then he just disappeared. And I went and I shared this with his parents on the break. 
And his father pretty much lost it um, off to the side when I didn't see him. But his wife came in and said, he'll join us later. He's so knocked off balance what you, by what you said, because we knew our son was going to pass uh, from cancer. And so before he passed, my husband uh, sat down in his bedroom and said, I'm going to come in here every day and talk to you, Doug. And it, Doug took a picture of his hand and cut it out and put it on the bulletin board. And his dad would talk to the hand on the bulletin board. And so before coming to my workshop, Alexis, his dad sat on the bed and said, Doug, I'm going to this class and I really don't know how this spirit communication works. But if there's any way you can let me know you're around, maybe you could wave at me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So for somebody like me, a medium working medium who knows this is real, but I just don't normally see them. That was a miracle. He oh, of course. There are those, those standouts that are just unequivocal. Well, it sounds like this individual was persistent, just like you in developing these skills. And I think that is so key. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, commitment and persistence. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Consistency. And look, there there may be some individuals out there that are going through intense grief that just don't want to go there. What do you say to that? To the people that are like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, you know. That's perfectly fine. That's your path, you know, but we are going to grow one way or another like a plant, hmm. a flower that's going to work its way up through the cement in a crack, you know, in a no parking lot. Why do, why do weeds and flowers still come up anyway? Because we are programmed for growth, but oh. there are certain things we can do to add fertilizer and water to accelerate and help that growth. Absolutely. My guys just corrected me. We can't accelerate it. We can help it. We can nurture it. And so that's what I teach people how to do. To, yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that. And I'm so excited that there's a, an event that I want to share. I just had a peek into it that Suzanne runs called three keys to unlock your powers of mediumship. Excellent. The shift network uh, has that. Uh, available. And I had a chance to take a look at it. You're so eloquent in, in the way you explain things and not giving us too much to handle yet, because I know it gets deeper and deeper. But uh, we'll have a link for that, by the way. But t talk about what you're doing with your students now in terms of teaching mediumship. There are several keys right off the bat. Number one is belief. You need to believe that the spirit world is real and that any of us can learn to connect with them. If you don't believe something, you won't even open to it. So let me first examine what are your blocks? What's your BS? That's one of my buzzwords, your belief mm -hmm. system. <laughs> and so you, you get your BS out of the way and then set a clear intention to connect. So after you make sure those two foundational elements are out of the way, then I actually teach processes, systems that work to connect across the veil. So I'm uniting left brain systematic methods you can learn to do that work with the right brain flowing trusting knowing so it's all about integrating who we are as humans and as souls for the best results mm -hmm. tell us about you yeah. just got back not just it's been a couple months i think now from a cruise where you're doing she's doing all sorts of things it shows the amount of people that are so interested in learning and growing in this regard tell us about the cruise that you went on well, I had hesitated to do a cruise because to me, mediumship is sacred. So why are we going to go have all this fun, which is so <laughs> silly? But I've done retreats in the past. Nothing compared with this cruise because we had a, this community of kindred spirits. We are all open to this and we're all about love and connection and finding out who we really are, who came together for a week to have a beautiful time, to get away from it all 
and to focus on the, the workshop 14 hours of learning how to connect and who we are and opening ourselves to greater connection. So it was so great that right away I agreed to do another one next year in the Mediterranean. Oh, keep us rolling that out uh, very soon. Okay. Yeah. We will have information. Give us your website. It's my name, SuzanneGiesman.com. I think it's it's good enough now that even if you spell it wrong, you'll find it. (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. I absolutely do. High ranking in the Google search for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been a great conversation. We're going to go over to the the after show. I hope you will join us there, everyone. But again, I want to encourage, please, please, let's start a conversation about this. I don't know, maybe, excuse excuse me, if you have a question for Suzanne, I might be able to slip it over to her and she may be able to answer even after the fact. We'll see, because I know she's a busy woman. But any closing remarks for our main show that you might want to share with our audience? Forgiveness is one of the biggest issues that comes up in a reading. Why do those across the veil come through? They want to say things that they didn't get to say before they passed. And so they come with apologies and requests for forgiveness. So my greatest advice in this moment, because it varies from time to time, but right now is to say what you want to say to your loved ones now, Mm -hmm. knowing that they hear you and forgive yourself for being human. Forgive yourself for being human. I don't mean for taking this incarnation. I mean for making mistakes, which is why we came here to learn through trial and error, right? Yeah, absolutely. Someone else has used the term, we are perfectly imperfect. Yeah. I like that. Be okay with that. We tend to be very hard on ourselves in the society that, that I think encourages forward motion, constant pushing, 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 or pulling. Let's forgive ourselves for being human. I get that. And I love that. Suzanne, thank you. You are necessary now more than ever. So we appreciate you so much. Thank you. It's an honor. Really. Well, listen, don't hang up. We're going to go next door. But um, I want to say thank you, everyone, for tuning in for this uh, very important episode. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and hearing what you have to say and questions that you may have. And in the interim, let's continue to love, honor those here and hereafter, and know that we are uh, all together in this, even if the experiences may be a little bit different, a lot different. Love is so much easier to get through this mad world that we're living in. So let's share a little bit more of that. Okay. All right, everyone. We will talk to you soon. Hopefully we'll see you next door. But if not, we'll see you soon. Take care.